0: Hey, welcome. We're home-churching, in case you found us online and didn't know. It's like homeschooling, except it's church, right? Uh, Someone posted, my child just said, I hope I don't have the same teacher next year. Ouch. Trust me, I get it. I hope you moms and dads are going to make it through all of this. Um, But we see this as an opportunity to reach more people with the hope of Jesus and accomplish the mission of Jesus. So we're glad that you're with us. Let me explain what we're doing a little bit. Uh, We're in week four of Life on Mission Um, which is a book and some stuff that I put together to help churches understand what we're supposed to be about. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is why we're here. This is why we haven't gone back to heaven already, is to be a witness. And in order to do that, we have to be proactive with a few things, all right? We connect, we serve, we share, we grow, we pray. Those are the five things that we do as we go on mission. The Bible says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So so in other words, the more you look like Jesus, the more credible will be your witness. Makes sense, right? Peter said the same thing, but let me read it in the message paraphrase. Live such an exemplary life among the natives that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. I mean, if, if they can't see that following Jesus has affected your life on the earth, how will they expect it to affect their life on this earth or later. I mean, it's just the way that it works. And if you're watching and you don't have Jesus, please understand this is supposed to be the goal. It's not about being perfect. Uh, it's, It's not about everybody being perfect little Christians, but it's like this. I don't expect my trainer at the health club to be a bodybuilder, okay? But it's just hard for me to take workout advice from someone who lives in a van down by the river. They've got to at least be able to help me get the bar back up on the last bench press. Analogy stops there. The physical trainer doesn't have to look a certain way because there isn't one model of what a human body ought to look like. Many people think mine is close, but everyone's is different, right? So guess what? There is one model of what a Christian ought to look like. You probably know who it is. From the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew who would, Should become like his son, like Jesus. If you've ever been to the Alamo, there's a wall near the main entrance where there's a portrait with the following inscription. It says this James Butler Bonham, no picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family so that people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. There's no literal picture of Jesus. Um, You get to be the literal representation. And people will come to know the man who died for our freedom as we closely resemble him. Jesus talked about the mission with another term that I really love, bearing fruit. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As you're connected, as we are connected to the vine, we bear fruit. The closer we are to Jesus, the better fruit we have. Well, what kind of fruit, PT? What is is this? Well, scholars have argued over it. I mean, it could be like the fruits of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of that stuff, which is very important. We all want that kind of fruit. Or it could be the fruit of being on mission and the fruit of reproduction, because all fruit has seeds and the benefit of seeds is reproduction. So I think the answer to what is fruit is yes. It's the fruits of the Spirit and the fruit of reproduction that go together. Again, when you have those wonderful things going on inside of you, you're going to show Jesus. People are going to see it. In other words, the natural result of your being connected to the vine is fruit. The fruit of a Spirit-filled life that will naturally make those around you want to get in on it. Does that make sense? I mean, and process this for a second. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? With me, in the vine, with me, you can do whatever life asks you to do. So you're stuck inside with the COVID-19 thing going on, right? Can you have patience? Yeah, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And when other people see your patience, the fruit of the Spirit, they're going to go, man, I need some of that. Where'd you get it? Well, I'm connected to the vine. Who's the vine? It's, it's Jesus. Everybody needs a piece of that. And let me say this again. As we grow to be like Jesus, we gain credibility as a witness. I, I, I talked in Devo last week about this verse, and it's just really been coming back to me over and over again from 2 Corinthians. And it's talking about how Moses got to see part of God got to see the image of God as he was as he was coming down off the mountain uh, with the 10 commandments and when he came down his face was a glow and he had to veil his face because it was so scary to people that he had the glow of God and, and then the scripture says that we now because of Jesus who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord. In other words, Moses got to get close to God and his face lit up, but we got to get close to Jesus, and the the law is done, and the grace is here. So that gives us this persona that ought to be giving off the face of Jesus that everybody wants to be around. It's the same reason Jesus came down here for 33 years before he offered a sacrifice for our sins. It was so that Jesus could demonstrate what God was like. And Jesus, the the model of Jesus is God, loving, merciful, holy, just, forgiving. All the things God is, Jesus was. And that's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So guess what? If you see Jesus, you want to be with God. If you see Jesus in me... If I see Jesus in you, I want to be with God. Seriously, this is why I do not have a fish on the back of my car. It's why I don't have a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker. Because the truth of the matter is, there's not enough fruit of the spirit in my driving habits to make you see Jesus. Maybe I should care more, but I just don't sometimes. Can I be honest? And even if I'm having an especially fruit filled driving day, I might do something accidentally that might cause somebody to go, oh, yeah, fish boy, go ahead, cut into my lane. Is that what Jesus would do? I can't do that. But if you are my friend or my neighbor and you actually know me and don't see Jesus in my life, I have a problem. It's not about what I got on my bumper. It's about how I live my life. So let's fix it. Why aren't more people interested in growing to be like Christ? I just had to ask myself that question. Number one, I think some people just don't believe that Jesus is really worth following. But I got to ask it, during Jesus' ministry, is there anything you see Jesus not able to do? Did you ever see him, go, oh darn, I couldn't heal that leper today, I was having an off day, I'm sorry. I know that Jesus didn't have all the same problems and experiences we do, but sometimes people use that as a reason to not relate to him. No, he didn't have to worry about going on the wrong site on the Internet and seeing porn, but he was tempted with lust. We know he was tempted like us. He didn't have to drive in Chicago traffic. Remember when we used to have Chicago traffic, but, but he did have to have patience and he had it tried many times. No, he didn't get married and have kids. It would have been bad to have a wife here and then go back to heaven. What's she supposed to do? Get remarried? Who wants to be that guy? Well, my previous husband was the son of God. Sorry, maybe this is hitting a little too close to home for some of you. My point is that Jesus invented love and he knows more about it than anybody else in the world. And he proved it to me by showing me what love is. I mean, can you really imagine Jesus sitting down with somebody and somebody saying to him, Jesus, man, my kid wants to get an eyebrow piercing and having Jesus say, wow, I'm sure glad I didn't have kids. I don't know what I would do. Of course he wouldn't do that. And I know all you kids are wondering, come on, Tim, what would Jesus say? Hey, I don't know. You ask him. The earliest Christians thought of Jesus like this. He is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Start there. Jesus' way is the best way. He is totally worth following. The second reason I think, and this applies to Christians as well as people on the outside is because it takes work. <laughs> I, I used Siri to send a text to someone about this message and I said the growth sermon and Siri changed it to the gross sermon. I, I hope it didn't turn out that way. But hey, I get it, Siri. This isn't easy. There's no magic pill to take here. John Ortberg wrote one night years ago, my wife Nancy brought home a video. You know, remember when you did that? And it was Sylvester Stallone's movie called Cliffhanger. I love this story. It takes place in the mountains, and it's real cold weather, and they're all wearing parkas with heavy jackets. Everyone except for Sly, who can't keep his shirt on. And throughout this movie, you know, five or six times, he's dangling from a rope, you know, hanging down and his biceps are bulging, ripping right out of the screen. And John said, my wife, Nancy, who got the video, she's looking at him and then she turned and looked at me and then she looked at him and then she looked at me and she shook her head and said, you know, I've just never been attracted to well-built men. John said... I searched for the compliment that I knew was lurking deep down beneath the surface, but I could never find it. Then he went on to write, the truth is the idea of a well-built man is really a bunch of baloney. I mean, maybe some men at age 20, maybe there are some men and women who have naturally well-built bodies, whatever. But it doesn't last long unless you work out. It takes work. Most people aren't really well-built. They are well-trained. Stallone looked a little different in Cliffhanger than he did in Rocky. We all know he was not only well-trained, but he was well-injected. But that's beside the point. If you want transformation in your life, there is training involved. Nobody, what I'm saying is nobody wakes up with bigger biceps. Nobody wakes up one day and runs a marathon. I could run a marathon if I wanted to, but of course, why? I could also have a four-hour root canal if I wanted to, but I choose not to. I don't have bigger biceps because I don't train them to be bigger. It's nobody's fault but mine. And this is true of anything in our life. It is no less true of transformation in our spiritual realm. This is why Jesus said, no disciple is above his master, but every disciple, when fully trained, will be like his master, will look like his master. That's spiritual training. You have to start somewhere. Why aren't people more interested in following Jesus? They don't believe that he's worth it. It's going to take work and they aren't in a training relationship. The fundamental problem with the way mission has been happening in the U.S. is that we're missing the relationship. That's why the first step of mission is to connect and then to serve. Because that gives you the right to share. And then you can grow with that person that you've connected and served and shared with. This is why the mandate from Jesus was to make disciples, not converts. What is a disciple? I think maybe we need to clarify terms. Disciple is a great word. The word Christian, by the way, is only used three times in the Bible. The word disciple is used 269 times. I prefer that word. It's a learner. It's a pupil. It's literally an apprentice of Jesus so that I can look more like him and other people can be attracted to God. An apprentice is someone who is supposed to be learning from someone who knows what they need to know. And obviously it's possible to become a disciple of Jesus by reading about him and talking to him in prayer on your own. But again, the best way to learn is in a training relationship. If you want to run a marathon, the best thing you can do is join with some other people who have the same goal. Don't join me. If you want to really build muscle and lose weight and be your best, you will train with someone. Because it's that last set when you can't quite get the bar back up that really matters. When there is someone there to help you and maybe call you a girly man, I'm here to pump you up that's why i believe so much in the grow part of life on mission the part view definition of discipleship is being with jesus learning to be like jesus in every area of our life that's super valuable man it's the best way to live but for the sake of the world is really important that you add that on there i know everybody listening is probably thinking Man, I can't train. I'm, I'm not in shape myself. Hey, I get it. Maybe nobody over helped train you and I get it. Maybe you were a part of a church that didn't help you with your spiritual growth. That's honestly a big problem in a big church. You can come in and out and you can watch online and do an occasional sermon workout and leave again and nothing else will change in your life. And you will not be trained to be like your master. It's what they call the weekend warrior in sports. You don't do anything all week, and then on Saturday you go try to run a race or do some highly demanding activity, and what does it do? It makes you sore, and then you do nothing all week and start over, and it never works. Weekend warriors never get any better at what they're trying to accomplish, and it usually ends up hurting them. But even if that's been your norm in the Christian life, you can start now, and you can help others at the same time. Here are the two next steps for this week. First of all, develop a daily 15-minute training time, chair time we call it, that includes prayer and Bible reading. Need a resource? Here's a link. We'll give you all kinds of resources to help you along the way. It's super easy, especially now that everything's so online. Number two, find somebody that you can train with or train yourself. Okay. what I mean is like a small group and we'll give you a link to be able to help you to do that as well, to connect with some people, maybe invite some of your friends over. You don't need to be better than them at following Jesus to get in a group and do some things together. Okay. I mean, is there somebody you can ask to do some of this stuff with you? It's crazy to me because people are learning to cook. During this crisis, people are getting in better shape. People are doing home improvements during this quarantine. (laughs) Why can't we learn to be more like Jesus? The Bible says, Apostle Paul, I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. General principle, whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. If it's your garden, it's going to grow. If it's your kids, they're going to grow. If I pay attention to my marriage, it's going to grow and get better. If I pay attention to work, it's going to grow. Okay? Remember how important this is. The more you look like Jesus, the more people will believe your witness. And can I just be personal with you on this? As a grandfather of five, with one daughter in the process of adoption, and one that hasn't even started a family yet, it is amazing. Everybody said grandparenting would change our lives, and they were right. But you know the part I didn't see coming? It was the pride and joy in watching my three daughters, our three daughters, become mommies, and my son-in-laws become daddies. There's just something very rewarding about watching your children grow into adults who are able to bring children into the world and hopefully make the world a better place. But it feels to me like part of our job has been passed on. And this grandparent principle is one I've recently been wrapping my head around when it comes to the church. It's something I've been processing as we think about mission. It's desperately what I want for Parkview locally and internationally. There are plenty of churches full of people who are being discipled by a pastor that they like listening to, but those people aren't being fruitful. So we're only doing mission by addition instead of multiplication, and that's not going to work. The Apostle Paul said, the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, then you take those and entrust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 2 Timothy 2.2. That's multiplication, and that is our mission. It is multiplication through grandparenting. Jesus wants me to live in a way that I teach you, and then you live in a way that teaches others and makes prodigals want to come home. Growing in our faith is important because the world around us is hungry for something more than just another thing to do on the weekend. It has to be bigger than that. It has to be glowing out of you. The world around us wants to see people who have been transformed in, in ways that make them excited to still be alive and at turn make them hungry for what's going on inside of us. Jesus, thank you for showing us your Father. And I know you did a much better job of that than I'm ever going to do of helping people see you so they see the Father. But help me not to forget that that's my goal. I'm not just here to take the bits and pieces of, of what the Holy Spirit can give me for my life, but that through the transformation of my life, other people will see you. And that through them, other people will see you. And that we can be witnesses that way to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Because that's why we're here. Lord, if there are people listening right now who are like, yeah, I haven't ever seen that guy. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I get it. Yeah, I haven't ever seen a person that really exemplified Christ for me in a way that made me want to have him in my life. I, I'm, I'm sorry for that, Lord. Will you help us to reach them? Will you help them to find some people around that really are transformed by Jesus and want to help? And help them realize that apart from you, we can do nothing. And with you, we can do anything. We can endure this crisis. We, we can do whatever it is that's going on in our life. That's the power that's available. And if they want it, Right now, let them open up their hearts and say, Jesus, I want to plug into the vine. I want to be in. I want to follow you. Show me how. And be with us and our people as we reach out to them. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.